Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm here sitting with Ruth Blies Luxemburg in her apartment north of Old Street, so North London. Um, and it is a lovely sunny day, which is what we've become used to the last few days. Thank you very much for having us this morning. Welcome. I'm happy to have you all here. And um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a pleasure to, for, for us to be here. Um, so we're in a tower block and this has been your home for how many years? Since the last millennium. Since the last millennium. So okay. uh, I guess that's 19 years. Wow. And is this where you first moved into when you came to London? No, 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 no. I've had, like most people who come to London, quite a, a journey living in different parts of the city, from east to far south, and now here, sort of north, northeast. Okay, and can you, can you pick a favorite? This is it. Good. Uh, Shoreditch, that part of town always had a certain kind of um, energy where I felt I experienced the city at its most um, alert. As you know, we're very close to the city, the financial center, but this is a sort of uh, more um, domestic scenario. So uh, and then there's the art world, which has also moved in this part of London. So various um, various scenarios are very close together here. And I think that creates a very um, interesting urban experience. I've heard that a lot before and I definitely agree with you. Having, I mean, we're all from London as well and it's a very similar energy we sense here. Um, but I'm curious to know whether that's an energy which has changed since you were here. It's obviously it's been nearly 20 years. Yes. Um, and obviously this area has changed a lot. It's yes. been very well documented. But has, has the energy changed? Uh, slowly. My neighborhood in a way is a pocket. And um, the city is always transforming. The city is always changing. We are part of that change. And because we are so much part of it, how do we uh, how do we have a perspective to that change and i am a photographer so i photograph the city and photography is my tool my research tool to understand the city and its changes and um, i have photographed high rises early on and so um, when i understood them more from an aesthetic viewpoint as a as a place of a structure but also as a place of potential. Should I tell you a bit more about yes, that? Please do, yes, yes, yes. And now uh, I'm using photography to try to um, uh, learn how the city is changing in relation to the image. So the image of how the high-rises, of how council estates have been um, understood uh, was quite derogative. And that has shifted, because now um, high-rise living is um, is sort of has moved into the luxury market. Yet, uh, and the image has been part of that shift. And behind me, it's actually uh, an interesting example of of that shift, where the you see how the image, which is now uh, no longer a photographic image based on analog technologies, but is constructed with pixels. The CGI is all made on the computer. So these buildings don't all exist. They are, they are future buildings of London. Yeah, the only one I recognize, that, I mean, the only one I don't recognize, sorry, is the one straight in the middle. Obviously, if you're listening, you won't be able to 
have an idea what we're talking about, but we can maybe post this image online later. But that's the only one in the middle which I don't recognize. It's the pinnacle. It's the pinnacle. And the pinnacle did not get built, only to the seventh floor. And then uh, in 2012, they run out of money. But the pinnacle is very interesting because the pinnacle has a sort of swirl, which is almost, it's a, it's a type, typology of architecture which talks really about the global. Wouldn't you agree? In terms of the, the high rise? In, 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 terms of its, um, in terms of its aesthetics. Mm -hmm. It uses, it's almost like a calligraphic swirl. I think with these, especially with these kind of buildings, where when, when, when architects design them and when construction workers build them, there's very much this idea that they have to appeal to a global audience. It has to reflect the global nature of the city capital. of London. Exactly, yeah. of capital, of city, of London, mm. um, of Europe even. Mm. And so uh, it's a very interesting note about the Caligraphy because I do see it as very, um, very gentle and it's, it's quite a stark contrast to the rest of the buildings which are quite pointed and sharp. Um, yes. So it's interesting. And it also s suggests a certain kind of fantasy of the Orient, mm -hmm. I think. Do you know who, who is the architect or who the, who yes, where I the money is coming from? I knew, but I've, uh, I've forgotten it all today <laughs> in this heat. I knew. And now, um, so they ran out of money, the building didn't get built, but the one on the right, which is the walkie-talkie, did get built. So this is not a photograph of the walkie-talkie, this is a CGI, a computer-generated projection. Okay. So the images are used to lure us, city dwellers, into this fantasy of the, of the city, into the future of the city. And in terms of these high-rises, because obviously this is, this is one example mm. of a high-rise, um, and this is another example of a high-rise, and this idea of um, it's shifting. What do you think is, is the reason for that? I mean, before um, there were laws, for example, in London which, permit, which didn't permit the building of buildings at a certain height, and that's changed. Um, and again, but you see buildings like this, which, have, which obviously were like that before. Is there a reason why these are now being built at a greater speed than before? I think uh, a lot of research has gone into it, and uh, the previous mayor of London, Boris, Johnson, as well as Ken Livingston, allowed the eruption of these high-rises. Of course, London is a very attractive city for many people. Space needs to be found. Yeah, so there's various um, reasons why we are seeing that now. And the irony of it is, I remember reading uh, a while back that, um, like I said, this image of the high-rise, that lots of research was done into it, uh, and especially, I guess, more in the context of um, social housing that actually um, in terms of the actual design of high-rise is very conducive to um, perhaps high levels of crime high levels of um, sort of social dissatisfaction um, and I guess the kind of at the moment or it was it came out a few years ago the, the film but before that, the book of um, JG Ballard's high-rise and that um, fermented a very particular image of living in high-rise and yes is that something you've experienced living here? Well, J.G. Ballard is a fantastic author, but he uses the idea of the high-rise as a metaphor. I don't think he was per se against this form of architecture, but he used it as a sort of heightened uh, model of what, what can happen 
what, what is a dystopian future. And um, I think the high-rise is very interesting because it forces uh, proximity. We all live close together. We all have more or less the same space. Yet it, um, it also, for me, it allows something which I think is very important for an urban, um, urban life, which is distance. So we live all together here in this uh, high-rise, but we give each other a certain distance and respect. It's very rare that we go into each other's places. It's almost like it's off limit. Mm -hmm. Because you know this is the private realm of your neighbor. It's like the, the bedroom is the, the space where you don't usually go into when you visit a, an acquaintance. And similarly uh, here, the, the apartment, we share communal spaces, but our apartments are the ones where we respect each other's privacy. So this um, uh, cultivation of a certain respect and distance, I think is also quite good. I come from a rural background, from a village, and what sort of prevents um, th that distance is in a way is missing. You know everything about everyone. And that doesn't allow for a certain, um, certain individualism, a certain uh, to, to flourish. It's interesting you say that because a lot of people would use that same um, reason about living in high rises but actually say it as, as a kind of condition of society becoming more atomized and people actually being um, kind of housed in these very small containers in the same building but you know never talking to each other and never communicating with each other uh, and that kind of being a reflection of society maybe losing the community bonds which you get in a village in a rural country, for example. Yes, but we are, you know, we are this contemporary society has to also find new ways of interact. And obviously, you don't want to be that close to everyone. You, uh, we in the city have the opportunity to choose our interlocutors. You mm. know, we are not forced to be close to the whole community. We can choose, okay, I've got something in common with the person who is not from my community, but we share a certain interest in music or literature or whatever, sport or whatever. So I think that's actually, um, I see it as a positive, that we're not forced to be part of a geographic community, but can be part of a more intellectual, cultural, chosen community. Isn't that what's so exciting about London, Definitely. about the city? No, absolutely. I think um, we are <laughs> kind of almost used to it when, as we were kind of growing up here. Mm. Um, but I think that's something that people who move into London say mm. is their favourite thing. Yes. The fact that you can mix with people from all walks of life. Yes. And I remember um, sort of one of my favourite things from being at university was that, you know, whatever you wanted to do on whatever night you could find something and that's something that very very few cities are able to say about themselves and London is one of them um, I think that's a really great thing so no I agree with you completely and in terms of your, your photos have been uh, have included high-rises a lot but they've also included um, high-rises at night and in, in I guess in the wider context the city at night um, why is that what kind of draws you to London at night well, um, uh, I'm as an artist, I can work intuitively. I can do what I think I, I want to do, I feel I should do. And for me, uh, photographing at night is one of those pleasures. 
because I think the night sort of allows uh, immersion and there's less going on so I can uh, really focus and also the night is um, is a realm of uh, of the imagination I think because uh, the rules of the day don't quite apply the night allows for something else to emerge and sometimes that something else um, is like a reprieve but it's also it's it's not necessarily a mirror but it sort of talks about the other side the day side so in my night images I'm I'm trying to find uh, another possibility of the city and that's uh, it's, it's great you said that because um, we interviewed Matthew Beaumont a few weeks ago and he wrote an amazing book on night walking and yes he said a very very similar thing and he went on many many walks across London at the night um, often with his friends and he said that it really felt like a different world it didn't really feel like a city that you know he was used to in the day mm. um, and you would notice things about it which you just wouldn't in the day mm. uh, and it's, it's, it's interesting that you lead to the same thing that it's almost like a it's a different realm it's, it's mm. a, almost like a fantasy in some ways but um uh, I don't think it's just a romantic escape. I see it more also as something that um, can teach us something about the day or about our relationship to the city. For example, the uh, question of public space, contested public space, the privatization of the city, gated communities. The, these issues, which are really important to think about, are sort of... Um, questions by a nocturnal experience of the city when people hang out and don't shop or have a leisure experience but just hang out and that kind of um, allowing that kind of spaces is so important and it's it's actually it's, it's a great point it's something that I feel London lacks a lot uh, and this idea of just kind of hanging out at the night in spaces and it's something that I think We've all experienced kind of going to Europe in different cities, especially when the weather's hot, which unfortunately we're not used to that often here. But you do get these people just relaxing in the squares, drinking their beer, talking with friends. Um, and I feel that the weather's not the only reason that doesn't happen in London. It's something that is maybe discouraged. Yes, maybe it's uh, part of a puritanical um, uh, condition, also uh, history, also linked to pub opening times, which were very rigorous um, also the question of who is allowed to hang out at night you know it's gender specific culturally specific so for me as a woman to work uh, at night was also a great pleasure because I now had a reason to be there because I had a camera so I can I'm allowed to spend the time there because I'm doing something otherwise my presence at night in the city would be perhaps a bit more awkward. Mm. So these are also important and questions. Definitely, and I think um, it, it kind of, um, it's increasingly pertinent now as we do, like you said, to get the privatization of the city and spaces opening up which obviously have the facade of being public but are very much against that. Um, and just on top of my mind, Granary Square is one example. Um, where it's massive, massive redevelopment has gone on over the last um, five, ten years. And it is a very nice space to be in during the day when there's the weather's out and lots of people, but you're 
um, your freedom is prohibited to a certain extent and it's nothing that you can't there's stuff you can't do for example and is this something that you've tried to like, how have you explored this through photography this kind of the privatization of the city well I, I think um, in my work I very often looked for uh, pockets pockets of resistance and sort of forgotten spaces spaces which are not that obvious along the river for example sub uh, underpaths and these spaces um, provide a certain um, uh, idea of a dwelling, an idea of a home. So it's, um, I think one has to, it's, it's the task also for each of us to do it, to, to, you know, to take it back and to actively participate. Yeah. And, f and photography is the, is, is the kind of, you participating, but do you also feel that you're 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 creating a kind of a yeah. story from the yeah. city for yourself yeah. and for other people? Um, because from conversations I've had with photographers, that's very much a motive for them that by taking photos, they're not only kind of embedding themselves in the city, but actually creating a city for them as well. Right, that's an interesting thought. Um, maybe yes, maybe uh, uh, maybe it is uh, yes, it is a different. It's a Yes, it's a constructed city. It's a it's a narrative which I've um, yes. it's something which they kind of seek to understand it through 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 photography, which yes. is um, I find quite fascinating. And when you when you're taking your photos, what's the kind of primary means of transport? Is it is it walking? Are you driving? Are you taking the bus? It's it's uh, uh, walking or cabs. Okay. Yeah. And which you prefer? Um, you know, I work with uh, heavy equipment. So the 5.4 camera is in a big box and the tripod. So um, yeah, sometimes the cab is essential. And 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 walking is our hope is yes, you find of course. useful through through the through the walking. It um, I I see the things. The walk is the sort of research. And yeah. I, I noticed there's a book there called Walking Cities. London. Oh so yes, I yes. actually saw I, uh, ah. I saw that um, on your Let website. Me get it. Yes, yes, please do. I was quite interested to learn more about it. So this is a com. Sorry, walking cities. It's a compendium, and different uh, writers and artists have undertaken walks, and <coughs> my walk is uh, through the city of London. And I made a short film called London Winterreise, a winter's journey based on Schubert. Okay. And um, uh, during Occupy, do you remember Occupy? Occupy, the, the protest? Yes. yes so yes. here they are in Finsbury Square. Oh, uh, wow, okay. And this is... Uh, so when, which, when was this? Was this 2011? Yes, I think 2011. Okay. And then I worked with the philosopher Jean-Luc Nancy, the French philosopher, mm. who wrote a, a prose text about the film. Yes. Um, and how did, how did this book come together? My colleague, um, Jasper Joseph Lester, edited it with a number of architects, musicians. So it's a real collaborative project. Fantastic. And I guess for for many people, walking through the city is something um, which is now being encouraged more. And I actually read an article this morning um, 
how Sadiq Khan is trying to reduce the amount of car journeys taken in London by three million. Uh, and he, they're trying to say that over the next five, 10, 15 years, 80% of all journeys in London must be taken on public transport slash walking, which is obviously a fantastic thing. Do you think London is um, a walking friendly city from your time here? Is it something which you kind of have felt safe, um, safe yes, doing? Yes, 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 yes. London is very safe, I think. And um, yes, walking is very possible here. And actually it was the modus operandi um, historically in London. That's how people got around. So I'm sure we can go back to it. And there's other ways, you know, the river could become more part of a transport um, node. There's much more to explore. Definitely. Actually, one of my favorite things about London is, um, is the, the Regent's Canal. Mm. Um, and it's something which I know a lot of people enjoy. And the yes. history of the canal is interesting. That, and it links to how you can reuse rivers or reuse canals as um, kind of different modes of transport. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm, I look forward to the day we can maybe walk across the Thames. That's, I think that's a few years away still. But uh, no, it's, it's a very important um, kind of way of experiencing the city, I think. Yeah, the, the, uh, the car city is over, that's clear. And um, so that's exciting to see this new, new city emerging, post-car city. Let's, let's hope so. One day. <laughs> no, no. For example, in the city uh, of London, where Bank is, they now stopped um, cars and vans from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Really? So only buses wow. can go there, not even taxis. I wasn't aware of that. Yes, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. The experience there now in the, in the morning is fantastic. I can imagine. And I mean, they've even finally, finally looked to start um, plans to make Oxford Street pedestrianised yes, as well, which yes. is long overdue as well. Yes. And so a lot of your photos have been in London. Have you managed to kind of offer the same survey of other cities? Uh, and if so, which ones? Well, I've worked um, in many, many different places. I worked in Dakar, in Senegal, and in, in China, and a lot in Paris. So it's, um, yeah. But London, as I live here, is obviously the most close to hand. And which of those... Um, which of the cities have you find most, I guess, interesting to photograph? I have to say it's London. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Because it's also me trying to understand mm. what's going on here. You know, and I'm here, I, I have the, I have the um, first-hand experience of it. I have the immersion. But that doesn't mean you can do something really meaningful if you only spend a week somewhere else. You actually can. Mm -hmm. I guess it's a different way of understanding and I think there's mm. uh, there's a beauty in kind of ex in experiencing a city in, in a fleeting way if yes, you're in there yes, as a, a yes, week or as a tourist. Yes. And so what else are you working on? What's kind of in the pipeline? Um, at the moment I'm um, becoming very interested in nature and the city and I've recently made a public artwork in on Westminster City Hall which shows urban uh, forests and these are uh, silver birch forests, which you find even in London. And I shot some in, in China and uh, made it into a frieze, which is put on the uh, on Westminster, Westminster City Hall. So you have this enormous uh, representation of this fantastical forest, much larger than life, which 
reminds us of the importance and of the very um, uh, complex relationship the city has to nature, how um, many of our infrastructure sort of um, references nature from the from the cathedrals to to our high rises somehow and so that's a, a current concern of mine and i'm working on a project in germany which is called the lesson of the vine the vine plant and again nature but this time as nature as a pedagogical tool what how does nature actually cultivate us we always think that we cultivate nature but i think there's a reverse action also happening where nature teaches us a certain type of discipline because you have to go every day and plant your crops or you have to go every uh, every year at a certain time to crop or to um, prune the crop or at a certain time of year you have to harvest so there are certain rituals and um, work which we have to services which we have to give to nature so we can harvest so this this um, life practices that nature teaches us mm. that's what I'm thinking about at the moment that's un I think very very um, relevant for city life as well because I don't think people have enough exposure to that um, yes so it sounds like a fantastic project to keep going on yes thank you very much for your time thank you for and, um, your time and no, your no. questions. My pleasure, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Thank All you right. very much. Wonderful.